The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Gene, I don't want to bum anyone out, but today we're going to be talking about why so many small businesses fail. Failure is my middle name. Part of life. Yeah, it's just it, it happens. We all fail at things. Michael Jordan said, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed until I succeeded. That's very true. Yes. Good way of looking at it. Yes. Um, I do have one question, though. Do you know the stats? And I'm sorry to put you on the spot, mm. but how many small businesses do fail? Well, apparently 50% of, we talked about startups before, but 50% of new small businesses wow. fail within the first two years of existence. Wow. 50%. It's a huge number. And then the number even goes up over the next five years. Wow. Okay. Well, after we hear from our sponsor, we're going to talk about the three reasons why small businesses fail. This podcast is brought to you by The Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, The Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers with property, liability, and workers' compensation insurance. Check out The Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com. Okay, we're back. And today's question is why do so many small businesses fail at the rate of 50%? So first of all, there's a lot of reasons why business, you can't just like generalize among all businesses that go out of business, why they went out of business. Um, But so I can, I can speak to what I see among, you know, with all the business owners that I speak to and, um, and and I can give one of the big reasons. And um, that reason is uh, math. I'm a accountant by training and, and nerd nerd. And, um, so math is like important to me. Accounting is important to me. And does it just come like second nature? No, it's, it's not. There's like a basic level. You should be fairly good with numbers. And then there's a lot that you go, it's not that complicated to learn the numbers you need to know to run a business, a typical business. You know, it's not that complex to do, but it amazes me how many people start up businesses that really either don't have their arms around math or don't know accounting or just don't want to. Like it's, it's boring to me. I don't want to know about it. I don't, in the end, you know, it, it, a business is a business is a business. It's, it's got, you know, there, there's dollars and cents involved. There's math involved when you're running this. You have to, I've said this a thousand times, you have to know how to buy something for a buck and sell it for three. And how do you know that that $3 is actually profitable to you, right? You need to know what your margins are. You need to know what your sales are. You need to be able to compare your sales versus prior periods. You need to be able to know when you give a quote, what What's the lowest price you could quote something for? What's the highest price you can quote it for? You need to know what your overhead is. So you need to sort of that monthly nut that you've got to, you've, you've got to meet. You've got to know a lot of numbers like to run a business. A business is all about numbers. And I do find that those that succeed in business have got their, you know, their, their, their arms around their numbers. So that's so important. If, if you are one of those small business owners out there, who's not a math person. Right. What is your first line of defense? Well, first of all, you 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 have to be a little bit. I mean, you cannot delegate the math entirely to somebody else. You just you, you just you just can't do it. Otherwise, you shouldn't be a small business owner. You know, it's like somebody saying, "I'm going to be on uh, in a Broadway show, but I'm not a I'm not a singer." You know what I mean? Like, well, okay. I mean, I don't know how far that takes you. If it's a musical, you have to be able to have some level of singing. So you 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 know you you really might not be in the right profession if you are not prepared to 
get your arms around math. And what that means is um, you you read or you take a class or a seminar or your small business development center or you go to school or uh, local accounting firms run these things where um, you can learn some basic accounting, basic yeah. bookkeeping. You know what I mean? And so therefore you're able to calculate not only what your your cash is in the bank and what your receivables are, but but what you expect it to be in the next 30 to 60 days, you know, or calculate the true cost of, of a service or a product. You learn these things and those are basics. And then I think anything above and beyond that, yeah, you can delegate that to an outside advisor, a CPA, okay. um, somebody like that. So you can look for e-courses, in-person courses. There's plenty and of there's context. There's also tons of like Excel templates that you can download that kind of mm. do this work. They visualize what you need to know for you. Correct. I mean, there's the community colleges give these courses all the time. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, high schools give these courses. I mean. Yeah, it's just it's you should learn business accounting. You need to know it's your it's the DNA of a business is the is the books. So if someone's thinking of running a business, that was the first thing you tell them. Yeah, to yeah, I absolutely say do you do you understand accounting and do you understand math and are you and even if you don't, are you prepared to learn it? Because if you're if that's not your thing and you're going to run away from it, running a business that might not be your thing. I mean, I'm one of those people who says math just isn't my thing, but honestly, it has to be it, it's, to a certain level. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to dig in and, and, and math is not that difficult. It's really not. I'm not talking about calculus and I'm not talking about like advanced, you know, advanced formulas. Um, I am talking about simple adding and subtracting and division yeah. that I think that you need to know and how a basic set of books works and accounting works. It's very, very important for you to know this stuff. Um, you should be able to look at your financials, your balance sheet, your income statement at any given time and know whether or not um, you're, you're truly profitable at what you're doing. You know, okay. it shouldn't be a surprise. Okay. So number one is math. Mm. Number two. Timing is a big thing. Timing. Right. Okay. I mean, I think a lot of businesses, I'll give you a perfect example. There was a store near me um, in Center City, Philadelphia, and um, it was an ice cream shop. Actually, even beyond that, they sell, they, they sell popsicles, custom popsicles, like you know, weird flavored popsicles. No, I think you told us about them. Yeah, well, today. anyway, they're not in business anymore. Oh, and, and, you know, they, and, you know, they, they sell popsicles and they, they launch their business in October. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I like you really, I mean, like we're going into, you're going to be paying rent and for, and salaries and whatever, and health insurance or whatever through the winter. Nobody's buying popsicles in the yeah. winter. And then, you know, if you're good, you know, so much of life is about timing. Some of it you can plan on and some of it you can't. But also, if that is a seasonal business in the Northeast. Like, true. If you want to open that business in like South Florida. Right. Sure. Correct. I mean, there, you know, you know, which gets location is another thing. We'll, we'll talk about when you're when you're starting up a business and why you fail. But people just make the wrong. They, they just they just they make, you make the wrong decisions as to when you're going to launch your business. You do it at the wrong time. The product isn't at the, isn't timely enough. Um, you know, maybe you weren't ready to yet because you didn't have the right resources in place or the right employees there. So, um, you know, timing of, of a business, if, if you time it wrong, particularly when you're, you know, money is tight and capital is low and you're starting in a startup mode, you can really do your, give yourself a problem. What's the type of business that you think works like year round? You could open it. There's tons of them. <laughs> there really are. I mean, I mean, there are the seasonal businesses that depend, but anything that doesn't depend on the weather is something that is, um, is a good year round business. And I think, um, I, I think that, you know, when we talk about, um, startups and why they fail, 
a lot of times people start businesses um, because they're um, they're more sexy rather than profitable. You know, they have like some like cool idea to do a popsicle shop, you know, for example, some like, wouldn't that be a great idea? Whereas, you know, really, there, there are so many profitable businesses that you could run that just aren't that exciting. But again, it is it is a business. So, yeah. you know, a pizza shop, a, you know, a, a job shop, if you're good with your hands, pizza a drywall. Very business. exciting. And pizza is very cool. You know, it's hard. It's a really hard yeah. business to run. But that is a business that's not I, I don't consider that to be seasonal. I think yeah. that that's that's great year round. And, um, you know, it, 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 you know, it, there, there's other businesses that are, you know, again, like I said, job shops or uh, if you're, uh, you know, in a construction business, these are not like exciting businesses, but they're needed. Yeah. And that's the other thing we get back to timing. You know, like, for example, if you're going to start a construction business, now seems to be a pretty good time to start a construction business, mainly because we're, we're in early 2018 and, um, you know, the economy seems yeah, to be going pretty strong. Yeah, we, we hear the government talking about maybe, you know, infrastructure spending and, you know, people are building around. That's great, you know. But if you time your start of a construction business wrong, yeah. um, you know, when there's a, you know, potentially going into a recession, that could immediately put you out of business. So okay. it's back to that. All right. So number two, number one was math and lack of knowledge or lack of embracing math. Yeah. Lack of embracing math. Yeah. Number two is timing. Right. Whether that's seasonal or just starting your business when you don't have the right employees in place. And number three is resources. And if you notice, you know, Elizabeth, I'm not saying capital per se, I'm saying resources. Resources doesn't include capital, but it includes other things. I mean, it includes the right, you know, the, the right size facilities, the right people in place, um, clearly cash in the bank and, and financing available, but even more so, and most importantly is time. A lot of people do not estimate uh, the time that's required to get a business off the ground and, and running, uh, but not only the, the time that you're spending, but also the time commitment that you're that you're kind of giving up uh, from your family or from your significant other. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of businesses. Or just your life, your hobbies, your downtime. they go they go under because you know it's the spouse is complaining because you know, the, 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 the startup owner isn't around much or the startup owner is like, this stinks, man. I'm like here 24 hours a day trying to get this thing. This is not what I signed up for. I wasn't ready to spend this kind of time yeah. and they, they bail, you know? So it is a real, um, it's a real question of, of whether you have all the resources in place. Most important resource, even more so than money is, is time, not only of you, but also of your family as well. I mean, there are so many other different things that other factors that go in location is a big okay. Im, is a big impact on startup for businesses non-home-based businesses correct but i mean again people pick you know for retail shops restaurants they make the wrong decision where they're going to open up a business um and it's not located in the right place they didn't do their you know their their uh planning you know well enough for that and they go out it makes me laugh i you know there was um, I wrote about this years ago somewhere else, not on the Hartford, but it was about the um, how like when a CVS store would open, um, you know, there was this trend where like within a, you know, a year, a Rite Aid would open like right across the street or right down the street, like right there. I remember catching it my attention thing like, why is there, you know, there's like a, it's the same reason why when you see like a, a hotel open up, 
certainly like fast food restaurants start sprouting up around it. And then other hotels sprout up around it as well because it's it's drawing in, you know? So if you if you pick the wrong location for your business, you're a restaurant, you're a retail business, even if you're a business that demands Cust- you know, reaching customers, um, it is it it, it 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 could put you out of business just by that that wrong decisions. That's another that's another big factor. Is there a five product choice and services like you know the market? Um, a lot of businesses start up thinking that they're going to offer a product or a service that's going to be fantastic, and everybody's going to come pounding, breaking down their door to buy it. And nobody does. Or they say like, you know what, this is, um, you know, this doesn't exist. This would be great to have. You know what I mean? A hairbrush with a, with a toothbrush on the other end. So you can brush your hair and then, you know, and then brush your teeth. That's, what a, so that's genius. We should, <laughs> we should be selling that. It'd be fantastic. We should do it. Some people come up with it without really doing sort of the market research, you know? Sometimes... You know, the, the, the best things for startups to do is um, they, you know, entering into an industry or a place where there's there's already market, there's already products there and offering because, you know, there's a market there. People are yeah. buying this stuff. It exists. But it's really expensive to create your own. Market. Yeah. I mean, that just happens. You know, it, it doesn't happen that often. So you go into existing markets and places that are going to offer a similar uh, product, but it's going to be a little bit better for this reason. Yeah. But at least that way, you've, you know, th- there's a market that's there for it. A lot of people just kind of think that like just because they like something yeah. or they think this is neat and cool. Like everybody's going to line up to buy it. So making the wrong decision on market um, is bad. And then another, we'll, we'll, we'll add one more reason why uh, startups fail. It's just a lack of planning. Um, and when I mean lack of planning, I will include in that um, overly optimistic planning as well. You know, I mean, people sit there and they say, okay, if we're going to do this business, we need to plan. If we're going to open up a store, we need to spend some time scouting out the right location for that store. That's planning. You know, what people am I going to need? What, you know, assets am I going to need? What financing will I need? You, you need to spreadsheet it out as, you know, what, and, and then when you make your assumptions for revenues and, you know, are they reasonable conservative assumptions? Because a lot of people say, sure, we're going to open up and you know, double our sales. If you're being too enthusiastic, how do you check that? So you have to ask other people that are in the business. Okay. You have to get that reality check. Now, a lot of times competitors may or may not want to share that information with you. Um, so uh, you know, sometimes when people are starting up, again, if they're going to start a, a microbrewery, you know, in, in Hartford, you know, okay. You know, if there are other microbrewers in Hartford and there are around to like, you know, maybe you don't want to talk to them because they're like competition. So, oh, you go on a road trip. Maybe you, you, you travel down to Philly or you travel up to Boston or somewhere else. Yeah. And then you find someone and ask them, listen, I'm out of your, I'm not going to compete against you. What, you know, what would you expect? You know, people will share that information with you got to talk to people in your industry um, and they will give you the straight and narrow as to whether or not, um, this is worth it or not, or what to expect. So you can do your property. You got to do due diligence before you start that business. Now, the up. other thing you could do is just go sit in their parking lot and watch. You can do that. That's part of the, that's, Oh, I was joking. Jean's like, yeah, that's no, <laughs> no, you can absolutely. I mean, that should be, you know, I mean, you just to, just to see what kind of volume a typical place gets, um, that makes, you know, the, the, believe it or not, that doesn't mean that's all part of the time that you have to put in before you start up a business. This is all like, Oh, easier said than done. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm just saying this stuff like, oh, you know, sure. We're going to go out and who has all the time of day to do this. This is the stuff I'm just telling you what like successful people that have, that have survived startup hood yeah. um, have been able to do. They, they do this stuff. They pick the right location. They have the right timing. They plan. They have enough resources. You know, they know some math. I mean, this is, it's what they do. And I'm not saying that people that don't have all these things in place can't succeed, 
but you are significantly increasing your odds if you don't have those things in place. All right. So I'm going to add something to the list. I think it's growing too quickly. I think that's what you would call it. Sure. So let's say you're a one person, you're a solopreneur, right. quote unquote. You're, you're a oh, and you're a mom. So you're a mompreneur yeah, you're a mompreneur is over there. You're a dadpreneur, whatever. <laughs> um, and you start this business. And so the first person you hire is you start working with an accountant. Like that totally makes sense. Sure. Gene, Gene is nodding his head. Sure. He's in agreement. Sure. And then you think, you know what? I think I'm going to get a bookkeeper because I don't feel like dealing with, with this. But you don't really have the money for that yet. Right. Right. So growing too fast is is certainly or spending money unnecessarily you is an issue. It, you want to keep your overhead as small as possible. Sure. Well, it's kind of like it's be careful, you know, what you ask for. You just might get it. And, um, you know, a lot of times people go out of business for that reason. They're, they they don't plan, you know, for growth. Yeah. Like they, you know, their, their, their forecasts are such that they didn't do enough planning so that suddenly they have more customers than they expected to have yeah. and they don't have enough inventory or financing available to service. I mean, these are, that's certainly a really great, a great aspect. It's something that could, that could, you know, cause a startup to fail. Okay. Well, we hate to depress everyone today <laughs> talking about why small businesses fail, but if you're listening, your small business is either a success or you're thinking about starting a small business. So hopefully some of these tips will be helpful. Did you know that increasing customer retention by as little as 5% can improve your profitability by as much as 75%? If you're looking to increase your customer retention and profits, check out Small Biz Ahead's new ebook, Keep Customers Coming Back for More. This ebook will teach you how you can use the reciprocity principle to increase sales, how to increase social proof to help drive customer interest, and why creating a fear of missing out can encourage customers to buy from you. Head over to smallbizahead.com and click the link in the show notes to download your free copy today. Okay, we're back with Jean's word of brilliance. So as usual, it's not just one word. This time it's two words, Elizabeth. It is talking stick. Okay. What is a talking stick? Okay, so I would think that it's something that you hold in a meeting if you're the one person who's going to be doing the talking. Genius. Everyone else from talking. Yes, that's exactly right. And actually in the most recent um, budget negotiations when the, the government was facing a shutdown and nobody could agree on anything in Washington, um, a group of senators got together um, and they used this talking stick method um, <laughs> that actually got them to agree on a, a compromise for the budget. Yeah. And the talking, by the way, there was things were being thrown before that and lots of profanities, but the talking stick, <laughs> it is, it is an ancient, you know, a tradition that goes back to, you know, civilizations from before. Um, the talking stick in some civilizations was encrusted with gold or jewels. It was a sign of power. And whoever had that talking stick had the power of the conversation. Wow. And the way it worked is, um, like you just said, you would pass the talking stick around. Whoever has the talking stick has the floor and then they can talk and nobody else can. And it is, you know, it, it was instrumental. For you know these these people in Washington, the senators and congressmen who are um, doing this budget debate, and and I thought I wrote about that because I, I thought about a talking stick is it really is a wonderful tool to use when you're having meetings, potentially if they're a contentious thing and people are interrupting each other, they're going back and forth or whoever is leading your meeting is just not able to sort of keep things into control. Um, next time that happens, you're in there, consider that talking stick approach. Now, the other thing just to keep in mind is um, I don't, I, 
it wasn't said when I did that research or these senators and congressmen who had this whole conversation with the talking stick where they were limited on time. But I do recommend that you oh, do that. Yeah. So you say, if you get the talking stick, we're going to now set the timer on your phone. You get two minutes, but you've got the floor and do your thing. But to do that in a meeting um, is, I think, a really great way to get things back on track and to give everybody a chance to say what they have to say without it turning into a big, now, big you, thing. Now, would you require everyone has a, a turn at the talking stick or just people who want to talk? Just the people who want to talk, I think. Why do you think it should be I everybody? It would. Well, I think if you have some employees who have really great ideas in private and they like to to communicate with you sure. one on one. Sure. Maybe they don't want to talk in a meeting, but you want them to. That would be a good way to say everybody gets a talking stick. You can sure. say I agree with so and so. That can be your only contribution, but Sounds good. I mean, it depends on the way the meeting is being run, but it will I think it will bring organization to your chaos if you're having that kind of challenge um, with meetings in your company. That would be good because I am constantly interrupting people because I think I know what they're going to say. <laughs> so I interrupt them. So people should probably use that with me. I actually have a, I have a similar problem. I'm so bad in meetings because I, I want to just take the meeting over yeah. and cut to the chase and get this done so I can get out of there or whatever. And, and, and that's rude. You know, everybody should have a chance to talk. So I, you know, I think it would benefit me um and and the productivity of a meeting if yeah. we had a talking stick because it would shut me up and then I would like it that. just kill you to have to listen to everyone else a little bit yeah but <laughs> i'd abide by the rules the talking stick is the talking stick all right we'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the small biz ahead podcast thanks for joining us thanks for joining elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the small biz ahead podcast for the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.